Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of Survive to Thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello and welcome back to The Rural Rockstar. Today's episode is an interview with Sally Murphitt. Now, Sal and I actually met at the Australian Women in Agriculture's leadership course about five years ago. It was the same one that I was at with Simone Kane. And I followed Sal since then and watched her journey and we've been, you know, in and out of contact. And I thought she'd be a fabulous guest to have on our podcast because she's such an inspiration in that she's, you know, set up her own business. She's a mom. She's got her own podcast. And I think it's just great to hear from women like Sal about how they've managed to do it and also about like just how they've, you know, as a, as a woman who's just like us, how she's overcome the challenges and how she's managed to make it happen. So really wanted to talk to Sal. She was the runner-up of the Tasmanian Rural Women of the Year Award in 2017. Oh, 2016, sorry. Um, and she's won a few, a few other awards. She's also recently joined the board of the Australian Women in Agriculture, which is super exciting. And in the interview, as you'll hear, Sel gives so many great tips on leadership um, and how to overcome self-confidence and self-doubt and what it's taken her to be able to do that. And it's just so relatable and so lovely. And I think you're going to really enjoy this one and get a pen out because there's lots of gold. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello. I am joined today by Sally Murphitt from, do we say Inspire Ag is your business name? Is that right, Sal? That's right. Inspire Ag. Most definitely correct. (laughs) Yep. So Sal probably wears many hats, but that's like her business name now. And it's um, super lovely to have Sally here with me today. Um, as I have said in the intro, uh, Sal and I met about four or five years ago now, I think it was. Gosh, time flies, as we know. At a, we met at a leadership course and um, I've also interviewed Simone for this podcast too, Sal, and she was on the, Simone Kane was also at that leadership course with us. It was such a special time actually in Canberra. It was part of the Australian Women in Ag. They ran the course. And um, so I met Sal then and I've followed her since then and we've sort of stayed in touch through the social spheres and um, and when I was launching this podcast I knew I had to have Sal on because she's been yeah such a inspiration really and is doing such great work in the agriculture and leadership space and so I'm really looking forward to hearing your story more Sally and hearing where you've been and what's been happening and how you've launched your business and all about leadership and getting right into it with you. So if you can just start by sharing with us sort of where are you now and how did you get there and what's been the journey to where you are now? Well, I'm going to have to firstly live up to that intro that you just gave me. (laughs) (laughs) Own it, Sal, own it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, in the spirit of the podcast, I will own it. (laughs) Excellent. So where yeah where have I come from and where am I now like I've I've always been involved in the agricultural industry and to, yeah as far as I'm concerned I always have been and I always will I don't see myself being anywhere else in the world it's where my heart and soul is <laughs> I'm a I'm a spud farmer and a spud and cattle farmer's daughter and I grew up on the northwest coast of Tassie 
And I've spent my entire professional career either working on farm or with agribusiness companies. And as I said before, I just don't see myself being anywhere else. This is my home. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love that. And so, so you're born and bred in Tasmania? Yes. Still there now? Still here now, yes. Yes, love that. And Thanks so, to oh, coronavirus. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Can't go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully that's all. Oh, who knows what's going to happen next year, but it's all okay for now, I guess. But, um, well, it's on a tight thread. Um, so the journey from, you know, so from growing up, then you went off to uni and then you, did you, you obviously worked with someone for a number of years. Yeah, so I started out on farm. Uh, so I did my rural traineeship on farm, um, worked for an in, like an independent business, then went to the family farm to finish off my traineeship. And then, yeah, look, I, I didn't really have a, a set path on where I wanted to go. I just knew agriculture was, was um, the industry that I wanted to be in, but I just wasn't sure what that looked like. So I just I kind of followed what felt right at the time and that sort of led me to where I am now uh, operating Inspire Ag. Yes. Okay. So what did inspire you to start Inspire Ag? So give us a little breakdown of what Inspire Ag is all about. Like I know it's about leadership and it's, it's a consulting business, but what led to you kind of creating that business and inspired you to do it? So about... Oh, I don't know, it must have been about six and a half years ago, I was working for an agribusiness company uh, selling farms and they um, they rudely sold our rent roll, which meant everybody was out of business. And so we were, we were offered roles, um, my colleagues and I were offered roles with the company that bought the rent roll, um, but I was one of the ones that decided not to and, and set up Inspire Ag. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I just knew that I needed that little bit of extra freedom and that was mostly because of the stage of life that I was at with my, my family. You know, in real estate, you could end up at any given region in, in, at any given time. And then if, you know, you're right down the bottom end of the Tasman Peninsula, for example, and then the, the people that you are with, they want to do another lap around the farm and you're like, oh my God, the time I've got to get back and get my daughter from, from childcare. Like it was, it was very stressful. And so I needed that flexibility, um, particularly while my daughter was young. And so uh, about six months into Inspire Ag, I, I came across a role purely by accident, which was advertised with the state farming organisation here in Tasmania, so the Tasmanian Farmers and Graziers Association. And the role, I didn't really know what it was about, but I just felt really compelled to apply for it. Um, it's just one of those things, I, I've just, I just can't explain why, but I just did. So anyway, I followed intuition and the project ended up being a three and a half year project funded by the state government here. And it was looking at skills, training and workforce development across the entire primary industry sector in Tasmania. So no little task, but um, <laughs> but a really important one nonetheless. And so when I finished that project, I was always going to go back into Inspire Ag in a full-time capacity. Um, so I was just moonlighting on the side while I was doing that contract. But um, I think the only thing that's really changed has probably been the focus of the business. So Initially, I was probably a little bit more, you know, social media communication, maybe a bit of marketing because that had kind of been my background prior to that. But the undertaking the project with, with TFGA made me realise uh, what my true purpose was in life or started to make me realise what my true purpose was in life. And so, again, I just had to follow that that intuition and 
you know, I, I tell people when they ask that, you know, I'm in agriculture by design because I just love this industry. I'm so passionate about it. But I'm in the HR slash people space by accident. Yeah, okay. So was it that, that experience sort of working with that role with the government that really gave you that sense of the importance of, you know, of the people and why you want to create this business and, and move it into more of that HR space? Yeah, because, I mean, what I, what I learned from that, and it was always something that I knew, but it was just something that was really hammered home to me uh, during that project, it was funded by the government, not for the government. Oh, sorry. But, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, but what, what was really hammered home for me was that, you know, people are the mess and the magic of any business, yeah. but in particular agriculture. And there wasn't really anyone around at the time or that I was aware of doing what I wanted to do. And so the only, re- the only way that I could continue on that vein of um, professional, uh, like professionally was to actually start, you know, reconfigure Inspire Ag and, and follow that path. Yes. Okay. So, because I, I love what you say, there's a quote that I got from your website and it says, I have an unshakable belief that people power agriculture. That's why I do what I do. I'm committed to supporting the agri-sector to build better, stronger and more profitable businesses through its people. So I just did, love that. Did I say that? That yeah. sounds really smart. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. Just nailed it. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I mean, I think that's, it's, that, it's that human-centred approach to all our businesses, isn't it? And that's what, obviously what you're super passionate about. Um, and so, yeah, that's, what, that's where that's come from. And so how does that... How does that sort of play out? Like how does that, what, what do you do in your role? And you go work with like farming businesses or do you work with sort of you know, other businesses and then you advise them on how to make people the centre of their businesses or how does it work? So I, uh, I have a broad diversity of clients. Uh, I have my, 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 my direct farmer clients, so, um, you know, working one-on-one with them to help um, unravel some of their people problems that they might have. Um, I work with agribusiness companies, um, industry bodies, uh, doing like, for example, I might do workforce planning and development type of projects with them or consultation projects Um, and I've also undertaken a bit of work for government departments as well where they need to connect with agriculture but don't necessarily have the capability within to do so. So there's a a big variety and I guess it's like any good agricultural enterprise, you need some diversity in your enterprise. (laughs) Definitely, absolutely. And so I want to get into what you think about leadership but also just going back to making that decision to start your own business. Like Something that I know a lot of women struggle with and I've struggled with and it's people, not just women, but is that sort of that imposter syndrome and that self-doubt and that it's quite courageous to go and start your own business and that would have been a big kind of leap to go, especially, you know, you've got a family. Like, So what is some, what's some advice or how did you manage to overcome that? Like did you experience self-doubt and the imposter syndrome and the kind of like how am I going to do this stuff? Was that a, a thing for you as well? Literally. Every damn day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. And, and for a long time, I, I, I seriously thought I was the only one. I seriously oh, thought I was the only yeah. one that had, you know, had these confidence issues. And it wasn't until I actually came across the term imposter syndrome that I went, oh, my God, this is me. And if I can read to you, I, I, I looked at the, what the definition was of imposter syndrome, um, if you'll indulge me. Um, oh, absolutely. 
So the definition that I've got is that um, the psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, accomplishments, and has a persistent internalised fear of being exposed as a fraud. Wow. Like, and every single word that I that I read at the time that, you know, looking at the at the definition of what imposter syndrome was just resonated with me so hard. And for me, I've I suppose I've learnt now to recognize those feelings when when I feel them coming on. Um and over time with tons of discipline, tons and tons of discipline, um, I've learnt to reframe those thoughts. And when I catch myself having those thoughts, I, I generally try to take, you know, two or three deep breaths and go, okay, is this actually true? Is what I'm, you know, is that internal chatter that I'm, I'm going on in my, you know, a little monkey on my shoulder, yeah. what they're saying, is that actually true? And then, the other question that I ask myself as a bit of a leveler is, is this actually what my clients would be saying about the contribution that I make to their businesses? And so it's those, those little, little things that you, those little tools that you learn along the way and a lot of persistence and self-compassion. I think that, you know, if you do stuff up in any given time that you're giving yourself permission to go, okay, I'm, I'm human. I just, I just, didn't quite get that right. Let's have another go. Um, and so that ability to reframe for me has been absolutely paramount. So it's the ability to quickly recognize it now and then manage it. That's, that's what success looks like for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I totally agree. And I think it's so interesting what you said there. It's like a, it's very disciplined over time because that's the thing. Like this stuff really is the work, isn't it? Like learning how to conquer these, you know, it's that negative voice in your head, the inner critic, like that is the work, overcoming that and then having the awareness of it first and then reframing it. Like that's the goal when you can get to that point. So it's, it's yeah. awesome that you've been able to do that. But I think love that you said it's, it's been, it's like discipline, like a lot of discipline in working on this. It's yeah. really interesting also what you said with, with explaining the definition of imposter syndrome. I was thinking about how Brene Brown talks about it's the gremlins in your head too. Is that Brene? Yeah, that's Brene. Um, because Sounds like something Brene would say. It does, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> but it's shining a light on the gremlins. And you know how you said that you didn't know that everyone else felt like this too. You thought it was just you and I've had that experience and so many people and I think that's why conversations like this is so important in humanising the fact that we all feel like imposters at different times. We all have self-doubt. And if we can shine a light on that and become more aware of it, then that helps us all to realise it's not just us. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, you, and speaking to someone like you who's had so much success and all these wonderful people who are doing these things all still have these fears and these self-doubts and these, you know, fraud-type thoughts, I think that's really empowering for people to hear that. So thank you for sharing that and your tools on how you get around it. I love that. Um, so... So what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced? And then sort of to reframe those as, and how, how have you got through it, I guess? We'll do, we'll do challenges first. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced, do you think, through, through this career or in moving into your own business? So what's been challenging? Mm, other than imposter syndrome, I would say professional loneliness. Okay, yep. Like just feeling like you don't have a support because you're working for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love what I'm doing and I, I absolutely would not trade it for the world. Uh, don't get me wrong like that. But every now and then you, I just get this little pang of, 
it's almost an anxiety, I suppose, going, you know, just that ability to poke your head around the, um, you know, into the office of your colleague and say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. Um, let Can you do a brainstorm with me so we can help solve this problem? Or even just a little sanity check to go, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Is that right? Am I am I human in actually thinking that way? Um, you know, it's so undervalued, but it's, yeah, it's just so critical. You know, that ability to do that is is everything really. And so I've had to learn to find ways to, when I do feel that, to uh, to look for opportunities for, you know, independent professionals out there that, you know, that have maybe a skill or ability that I'm you know, trying to work on at the time and spend a bit of time with them, invite them for a coffee or just pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, it does get a little bit difficult sometimes because often your independent professional uh, agri people are competitors so yeah. you know there's there's a bit of a line there but in, for the most part people are actually just you know people are just actually really honored if you say hey look can I just pick your brain for five minutes I just I just need to uh debrief I suppose so that that's yeah. probably how I've got around it but I think you know 2020 is probably the you know the year that I felt that the most and you know it's just again it's that recognition of okay this is what it is you know I'm really strong on my purpose and I and this is what I want to do and this is what I'll continue to do but just that ability to reach out to somebody I think is is everything. Yeah I love that and I think what I was thinking about there is that sometimes like that's why Facebook groups have been so successful too, I think, because they've been that way for entrepreneurs and individual businesses and stuff like that to connect and you can ask those sort of questions. I mean, it's not the same as that human connection too. And I agree. People love when you ask them for advice, in my experience, you know, everyone's always so willing to help. And what goes around comes around too. Like you're also then able to, I've found then, you know, help them in some ways as well. So I think that's, yeah, that's excellent advice as well. So, um, so, Something that you mentioned there that I wanted to ask you about, and you said it a couple of times, and it's about your purpose. You're very clear on your purpose now, and that's, I think you said it's actually developed over time. Now, that's, I find that really interesting because something that, you know, a lot of people have this struggle to figure out what their purpose is and, and what their why is. And there's so much talk about how important it is to figure out your purpose and your why. So, what is your purpose, and how did you get to figuring out what it was? <laughs> Oh, a lot of heartache, uh, a lot of perspiration, <laughs> yep. mistakes, um, and also listening uh, or catching myself in those moments where, you know, I was doing something because I wanted to, not because I was being, being paid to do something. Um, you know, those those sort of things where, or those sort of tasks where I catch myself going, oh, wow, you know, I could do this literally all day, all night and not. I could, you know, do it all through, not sleep and, and things like that. You know, it's just catching myself in those moments. And it was, again, just those 1% moments that actually built up over time into a collective moment where you go, ah, that's it. That's yeah. it. And so, you know, my why is that, you know, I believe that, as, a, as you said in that, uh, that statement, my, my belief is that the power of agriculture is its people and that's why I do what I do. It's literally what gets me out of bed, what motivates me. Um, I would do this even if nobody paid me because I just love it. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so great. I love that because I think it's something that, you know, and again, it's something that I've struggled with too is figuring out your purpose and you can put a lot of like it becomes stressful, like, well, what's my purpose? What am I here for, you know? And I, and I think 
that's solid advice and I've heard a lot of other people say that too and that it does sometimes just build up over time and all of a sudden you'll go, oh, yep, that's what it is, yeah. And it usually hits you like a freight train, like it's <laughs> like, you know it's almost that slap on the forehead moment where you go oh my god it was there in front of me all the time and I'm only just realizing this now and I'm 40 like (laughs) I know and sometimes it's super obvious to other people as well and you're like of course we knew that's what your purpose was and you're like no right okay (laughs) like you know other people can see it yeah yeah and you look you touch on a really important point there in that you know, sometimes it actually takes it's just sitting down and scribbling some things down. You know, what would I do if no one paid me? What am I really passionate about? What what floats my boat? Uh, and also just, you know, taking those questions to some friends and saying, what is it about me that you think motivates me? What do I do well? Uh, what do you like about me? Things like that. And it, this has to be somebody, this has to be the sort of friend that's going to tell you what you what you need to hear and not necessarily what you want to hear. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also reminded there of that's the Simon Sinek work too, which I'm sure you're across with the, you know, the, um, figuring out your why. Like I've done a lot of that work too and that can be really helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and that that's where I developed a lot of, that's where I done a lot of the hard work was, um, you know, just again, it resonated. I didn't understand why, but I just kept following that intuition that I needed. I needed to know this information and until I got to a point where it's like, uh-huh. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> love that. I love that. I've had a very similar experience, I think. So so in terms of leadership then, Sally, like I see you someone as, I think, as, a, as a leader. You're a leader in the agricultural space and in, in your community and all those sorts of things. And I think you're actually, what just after I saw you were South Australian Rural Women of the Year finalist or something like that as well. Is that right? Uh, no, I was a I was a runner up oh, in sorry, Tasmania. Not South Tasmania. No, <laughs> Tasmania. you're a product of South Australia. <laughs> We're only just allowed into South Australia now. <laughs> Somewhere, but not South Australia. Um, you're a runner up in the Tasmanian Rural Women of the Year Awards. So there you go. Um, and yeah, so what is leadership to you? And like, obviously, that's a, a part of your business and everything as well. Is you are training people. To, to be leaders and and so what does that look like for you like do you have a definition that you use um particularly of leadership or what do you think makes a good leader this is such a great question and i'm pretty confident we could fill a whole episode on just looking at the definition of what leadership is i mean you and i can you and i can talk <laughs> underwater at the best of times Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So uh, here's the, uh, the short summary of what leadership is to you. <laughs> and then we'll do a whole other episode on it as well. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. Um, look, I believe that, that businesses are, um, are a reflection of their leaders and that a business is nothing without its people. In essence, that's, that's what I believe. And I think up front what we're going to do is look at determining what is the difference between a boss and a leader, you know, and to my mind, a boss is somebody that's very transactional, somebody that is very authoritative and wants to retain control, whereas a leader is somebody that sees the potential in other people and particularly when that person can't see the potential in themselves, like that to me is what a leader is. Um, and when I look back on the the good bosses that I've had throughout my career, I've had some pretty shitty ones, but I've, I've also had some phenomenal ones as well. And those good leaders, what they've taught me is that is that the the leaders that have lit a fire within me 
and not underneath me are the ones that have actually got the best out of me in any given moment. And so that, that to me is the true definition of what a leader is. So I think that the single biggest influence on, on a, on a business, a community or an industry is, is leadership that that's absolutely front and center. But I think, you know, when we look at leadership, often we look externally, we try and look externally to try and find the answers of what, what leadership is. Whereas I think leadership is a bit of an inside job and you really need to start with yourself before you try and lead somebody else. And there was a study I came across recently that looked at the, the impact on it of an individual. And so uh, what this study looked at was the heart rates of and the breathing patterns of a small group of people who were put in a room for, and they were instructed not to talk to each other for the entire period of that time. And what the study found was that after 20 minutes, the heart rate uh, and the breathing patterns of everybody in that group was synchronized to the person that had the lowest heart rate. And so, you know, that to me demonstrates, it's a very practical demonstration of the impact that you can have as an individual on a group of people. Um, Without even talking. Without even talking. So, you know, I, I do a lot of work with clients, getting them to understand the energy and impact that they bring to their team. So if they're showing up and they're being all self-righteous and blaming and, and judgmental about something that might have gone pear-shaped in the business, you know, they're actually, they're actually relaying that energy on to, to everybody that's surrounding them. Uh, but if they came to the conversation and said, okay, this happened, you know, stuff happens and, and let's get on with it. What could I have done to, to change that situation? How could I have taken responsibility? Could I have communicated that better? You know, that comes from a completely different place. And so, yeah, that's Definitely. a long-winded answer, but that's no. what leadership is. Yeah, no, I think that's. I think it requires a long-winded answer. That's the thing. Like leadership, as we said, it's not. It's not simple, and it's not black and white. But I think that's an excellent answer, actually, and it makes me think of experiences that I've had too. And um, I think that is the goal too, though, as a leader, is that ability to learn from your mistakes and grow too. And and it's that self-compassion piece. And I love that you said it's about the inner work. I could not agree more. It's the it's the working on yourself first, and you know that's how you can show up better for everyone around you as well and become that leader that you need to be. And it's I think that's still a big challenge that we face. Is a lot of people operate in that space where they don't have that self awareness, and so yeah. it's really hard because doing the work on yourself, as we know, Sel, is very hard. <laughs> It is, it is. And, you know, what I find really ironic is that often when people call me into their business, it's because of, in inverted commas, somebody else. Somebody yeah. else is the problem. Yeah. And there's a, there's a succession planner in the US and I just love her analogy and I, I use it because it's, it's humorous and it, it really gets the point across. And she says that when she goes into a family business meeting, what she takes with her or any farming business meetings, what she takes with her is four items. She takes... She takes a box of tissues, a mirror, a roll of duct tape, <laughs> and a lump of 4B2. And, <laughs> and so she explained, her analogy is that, you know, sometimes, you know, when people call you in, it's because, as I said, it's because of other people and you need to hold that mirror up in front of them and go, have you thought that you might actually be the problem here? Um, then there's a realisation often that, Perhaps they have been a part of the problem, so there's some tears. 
sometimes you need to, uh, and of course you need the tissues. Yeah. Sometimes you need to, um, you know, put a bit of duct tape around a person's mouth and make them sit there and listen to what people actually have to say. Uh, because they can actually become really self-absorbed in their own rationale for for what's happened, and sometimes there's no other option but to give it to them around the head with a lump of four B two. That's so much I could so see where you were going. It's so true, isn't it? And at different <laughs> points, like we all need those things at different times too to remind us of how we're showing up and what we're doing. And you know, I think it's it's a lovely analogy. I like that. It's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, but I think we also need people in our lives that are that are willing to show up and have those difficult conversations with us and go, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. This is happening. Perhaps this is the reason why. Why is this happening? Let's let's sit down and look at a strategy about how we can rectify this. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? And don't let this, like, don't let it destroy you, okay? So, so you might have made a mistake and, and if you have that realisation that you haven't done that, you know, you've done something wrong or you made a mistake like how do we move through it like that's the that's the important part isn't it you've got to be able to work through it yeah and I suppose you know you mentioned Brene Brown before like she's she's my you know <laughs> she's my <laughs> goddess I love her <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. yeah just love everything she she does and I think maybe it's because she's a Texan I don't know like she just says it how it is and yeah. you know that that just really resonates with me but she talks as you know she talks a lot about vulnerability and you know vulnerability in a leadership situation is is the ability to go hey I I did actually stuff up what can I do what can I do to make this right for you Definitely. And I think, and I think it's that you know that um, also that vulnerability to go, you know, I don't actually know the answer, I don't know the answer to this, but you know what, yeah, I don't know the answer to this, but what can I do to make it right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's self compassion and also just acknowledging that you know you're not always going to get it right, which is it's leadership in itself because that's showing people that it's okay to make mistakes and move forward. You know, that's so important. Yeah, and it's you know that's that's everything in building a psychologically safe work environment as well and you know environments that have psychologically safe um areas or you know an environment uh, are actually shown to have lower absenteeism lower uh, safety incidences um, because they have that um they have that safety to say look i stuffed up um let's see how we can solve this problem rather than you know i had an example of a you know consultation that i did probably 12 months ago where i was looking at language literacy and numeracy in the agricultural industry and how that impacts on productivity and performance. And one of the examples that I was given um, that sort of leads into that that uh, topic of psychological safety was a young fella couldn't read and write and he didn't have that safety or he didn't feel that he had the, the right to say that he didn't know how to read uh, a chemical label, for example. And so he actually mixed up this chemical concoction to what he thought it needed to be uh, mixed up to and he burned off three quarters of an orchard and so you know that that's just a very quick example of why psychological safety is important if that person had had that um had that understanding that it was okay to to be vulnerable show your weaknesses um and that you know people wouldn't think any less of you because you couldn't read or write that would have had a completely different outcome for everybody Absolutely. And that translates across to communities as well, like not just workplaces, but communities. Like that's what I've seen in, you know, the water space in our communities. It hasn't been okay 
or it's perceived that it's not okay to share a different point of view. And to me, that's a psychologically unsafe environment. It doesn't help us all move forward. So like creating that psychologically safe space to have different opinions in a community or a workplace or so, so crucial to being able to move forward, isn't it? Because diversity of opinions is what, it's like it's kind of what drives you. Like you need that to sort of learn from each other and move on. And, you know, so, yeah, I can, I, I totally agree. That is such an important, and, and that comes from good leadership at the end of the day, doesn't it? Creating those environments comes from good leadership. Yeah. Damn straight. Oh, it's just, it's so important. And it's, just, <laughs> it's also, you know, it's also what, in your opinion, like, do you think, do you think there is a lack of good leadership? Like, do you think, you know, what about in the space of agriculture? Like, do you think there's, there is good leadership? Oh, look, there's certainly pockets of excellence. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, I've made it my mission to to try and change the conversation so that people can have human-centred businesses. So you've got psychological safety, employee engagement, all those buzzwords. But they, you know, they're, they're buzzwords, but they do have a significant impact on your business. And there's any amount of studies that I could show you the percentage increase uh, in productivity and performance if you've got those factors in play. Oh, yeah, so, so important. And if it's going to translate into better profit and all that too, then that's good encouragement for businesses to do it, isn't it? Like, yeah, absolutely. simple communication. Like, you know, there's there's a study in the US that I've come across recently which says that an, a, a business that engages with their employees, whether they're family or paid labour, um, involves them in, in, you know, say farm toolbox meetings, for example, and gives them the opportunity to have a say and contribute to the business, actually 22% more profitable than those businesses that don't. So to me, like if I, if, 20, if I, if I said to you, I can improve your business by 22%, would you be interested? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like that, that we need to share that more, don't we? I mean, surely that's an encouragement to people, if nothing else. And but and there's so many other well-being benefits and all sorts of things to having good communication. But yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> surely the dollars at the end of the day is, you know, certainly a big driver, isn't it? So that's great. So um, I've got a couple more questions for you, Sal. I, it's I always find it really interesting to talk to people like you and, and community people and people who have these passion, this this passion and this drive. And where do you think that? Do you know where that came from for you, or is it like a is it a, is it a family thing, or like have you got any inkling as to why that might have been? You know, was it something from childhood, or what is it that sort of do you think sparked your passions, or is it just how you've developed? That's a really interesting question. I've never really honestly thought about it. Um, on the spot, I suppose, if you if you look at my immediate family, my mum and dad, like my, my mum has always been a very community-minded person, yeah. you know, and, and highly social too, like, you know, <laughs> very, very social person. Um, <laughs> she's, the, she's the one that, you know, was the secretary at the basketball, local basketball club, and she was the one that lined up to help uh, the, the other group of mums feed us when we were doing the, you know, when we we're doing cattle handling uh, when we were in high school, for example, as kids, um, you know. And my dad, like, you know, I suppose he's, or I don't suppose he is the agriculturalist <laughs> yeah. of, of the two, and he's the guy that can really turn his hand to, to anything, um, you know, whether it's mechanics or um, animal husbandry, um, crops, whatever, like, if you can think about it, dad can make it like that's the sort yeah. of guy <laughs> that he is. Um, and you know, he is the sort of person and mum as well that would stop at a moment's notice and help out a neighbor 
or indeed their children if there was a time of need. Like that's just the sort of person, uh, that, well, people that they are and that's the environment that I've grown up in. And so I suppose I'm the, I'm the mix of them both. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, I've got all the, all the good qualities and traits out of, you know, each side of the, uh, you know, from the sire and dam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's really uh, interesting to think about that. Like, where is this? Yeah. And often it is that generational. You'll see that people who are community people, it's, it is, it, it is a generational thing. And it was, it was how you saw that and you're mirroring that as you grow up. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the question. It's something I'm going to probably explore a little bit more because it's, yeah, as I said, I've never thought of it in that way. So it's, it's, it's good to explore it, I think. And I think it's kind of empowering too as a woman or as anyone really thinking about the influence that we're having in our children as well that we don't often think about. Like, you know, that sort of stuff that we, we think we're not really thinking about our kids seeing us doing that stuff and actually the impact that that's having on them, you know. Like, and I think that's actually really powerful is that if you can, you know, by doing this stuff, if you're sharing that to the next generation as well and they can be community people and inspired people and passionate and driven and, you know, that's powerful in itself, isn't it? And that's leadership again if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, it is leadership and you uh, you make a really good point and that's probably why, you know, the imposter syndrome side of things has played really hard for me in the last, you know, two, three, four, five years. I've got an 11-year-old daughter, Stella, and she's at that really vulnerable and impressionable stage and I've had to be really careful and mindful of the conversations that I'm having with myself about myself and how that's impacting on her and how that's what I'm teaching her by saying negative stuff about myself and because I, I don't I don't want that for my daughter. Oh, so true. Yep. And oh I've got tingles just thinking about it. But you know, you just have to you just have to be really mindful of, of the conversations that you're having and and you know what your little people are picking up on. Definitely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it was certainly something that sort of really inspired me to get my well-being right and to do all that stuff too, because I wanted to be a good example for them, you know, and I think it's, yeah, very powerful actually to think about that. And so I love hearing that story. Thank you for sharing that, Sam. So just we'll head towards the end, but I just want to know, is there, so at the end, I'll ask you something that you're loving. So I love to ask people something that they're loving at the moment. But the, my second last question is, what would your advice be to someone who's at the moment, if they're feeling a bit lost or they're thinking a bit like, oh, I don't know what my purpose is and my why is, I don't know how to like, I really, I'm not feeling all that fulfilled in what I'm doing at the moment, but you know, what, what would be a good place or some advice that you might have to someone who's feeling that way and, and a bit lost at the minute or, you know, like should they take the leap to start their own business or have you got any sort of nuggets of wisdom that you could offer to them? What I would offer would be, and I, I've mentioned it a couple of times before, do the work to understand what your why and your purpose is because if you, if, you, if you learn that, if you understand what that is, it drives everything else that you do in life. It actually becomes a decision-making framework for you because if, you, if you've got an opportunity thrown in front of you to join the board of your, you know, your local water board or, or whatever and you sit down and have a look at that and compare it to what your purpose is in life, you know, is that something that is actually going to fulfill you? You know, does that help you? Does it help you to help other people succeed in life? Um, you know, is it what sort of personal satisfaction are you going to get from it? Um, and so, yeah, that, that framework, I think that's, that becomes really important. Um, find your tribe oh, is the other yeah. one, you know, and when you find them, love them hard. <laughs> <laughs> I 
let them go. Just don't let them out of your sight when you've got those people that inspire you and empower you to be a better person and a better individual for your community, your business and each other. What else matters really? Yeah. Um, Learning to lean into discomfort. Oh, yes. Good one. That's a big one for me and because, you know, you have those moments of self-doubt where you go, you know, am I good enough? Am I fast enough? Am I, am I um, smart enough? Do I have the ability to go to university? You know, you've got these little ideas happening in your life and you're always giving them these, these um, you're rationalising them, I suppose, saying, oh, I can't do this because um, I've got a saying and it's that, and I think it's something that everyone can relate to because it's a bit agricultural, but I've got to say that growth and comfort can't ride the same horse. So you've, you've got to learn to, to lean into that if you want the growth at the other end of the discomfort. And then I suppose the, the last one is that I'm a big fan of one percenters. So if you feel that you can't reach, you know, if, if reaching that objective in one foul swoop is, is too much, what, what is a little one percenter that you can pick out of um, and do today? will actually that your self tomorrow will thank yourself for so that it can help you to progress towards what you want oh. i don't know if that i don't know if that's helpful but that's 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 probably my advice so helpful i love those that was excellent <laughs> i love the growth and discomfort one because megan and i talk about that a lot too like you know growth only comes from discomfort like you've got to push through and it's always if you think back to the times where you've had the most growth and you've really achieve what you want to achieve it's always been after those times of real struggle or you know where you've pushed through the fear or you've had a really tough something happen and then that's when the growth comes and so that is just so important and I, I love all those tips they're excellent yeah I've got a client um and I, I say to them every now and then, like we're, we're having a zoom call and they'll they'll be stuck on a particular thing and they go, all right, I know, you love the fact that we're uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that. And I'm like, yeah, I do because I, I know that you're actually, you're actually getting pretty close to getting the outcome that you want. You just don't, you know, you just don't know that yet. Yeah, love that. And I love that they know you so well that they now know that you're happy when they're feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, look, there's been weapons of mass destructions across Zoom meetings. Like, you know, they hold up the pen every now and then as if just, <laughs> they're going to throw it at me. <laughs> But I bet they always thank you for it in the long run because that's when the good stuff happens, yeah. Well, they keep coming back, so. (laughs) Must be doing some good sell, that's for sure. I love that. Um, Okay, so for the last question, I always like to ask people something they're loving at the moment. So it can be like a book or a podcast or just something that you are really loving. I, I, I might have hit you on the spot with this one, but... Everyone usually has something that they're sort of, you know, really into at the moment. And, and I know that you're probably a big podcast listener as well. You've got your own podcast, which we love and we will mention in the, in the show notes as well. But what's something that you are loving at the moment? Something I'm loving? Um, I'm loving the spirit of generosity of rural, regional and remote Australia. You know, just before I jumped on this call, I heard a story, and it's a sad story, but, you know, I heard a story about a farmer that lost his life last week in a farming accident. And then the community around him jumped in, like they they just jumped into gear. Um, They got the 60 farmers from around the community jumped into gear to finish off the harvest for him. So, you know, the, the following week, 20 headers 
roll up to the paddock, um, 15 chaser bins and, you know, they just get on and get the job done. You know, that to me, oh, oh, damn it, tingles again. I know, it's beautiful, yeah. But, you know, that's that's what I love about rural and regional Australia is that we're always willing to to help people when the tips are down. Oh, I love that. So, and that's, that's such a beautiful note to finish on. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, so where can people find you? If they wanted to, you know, go and look up your business or work with you or I know you've got the podcast, give that a plug and I'll mention it all in the show notes, but where should they go to find you? I mean, I know we can Google everybody these days, but give us your website and all that stuff anyway. There's no escaping these days, is it? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> There's really not. <laughs> so people can find me at inspire-ag.com.au uh, that's my website address and my all my socials are inspire ag oz excellent and the podcast is also called inspire ag no the podcast is called agri-people. growing growing agri people growing agri people that's right excellent so go and have a listen to that one as well it is also excellent and thank you so much for joining me today. It was just so awesome to speak to you. There was so much gold in that for people. That's what it's all about. It's about sharing all this goodness with our listeners and supporting other women and empowering other women to, you know, to feel good, function well and step up so they can share their voices. And all the gold that you shared today is just perfect for that. So thank you so much for your time and for being with me today, Sally. Thank you. No problems at all. Thank you so much for the opportunity to um, yeah to speak with your your audience today and for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Elle. See ya. See ya.